Hello and welcome to another edition of CIA Files, True Stories of U.S. Intelligence. I am your host, Topher M. Ford. Got my co-host here, Brandon Givens. Brandon, what's up? Oh, Father's Day here. Oh, that's right. It's Father's Day here as well. Did you do anything? Eh, not much, really. No, no. We haven't got Indian food. That was nice. I treated myself yesterday to a new bass guitar. Uh, it was an impulse purchase, and I regretted it for a moment, and I don't regret it anymore. I'm happy that I got it. Oh, treating yourself. But that's right. I treat myself. Um, go ahead. Say, so, yeah, I was going to ask, what, what are we up to today? Well, uh, today we are going to take a look inside the long and troubled case of Julian Assange, finally. I've been wanting to discuss everything uh, surrounding his situation for a while, and I uh, finally got around to writing some stuff up on him. So and he's been in the news lately because he's been in a London prison for some years now uh, with the U.S. trying to get him extradited back here. And yeah, so I did up a little review. It is not comprehensive by any means. Uh, it's just kind of hitting the highlights of, you know, what Julian Assange has done and what all the hubbub is about. So yeah, we're going to take a little walk through the life of an Australian hacker. <laughs> all right. Um, Julian Assange was born in Australia in 1971 in the city of Townsville, uh, where the Powerpuff Girls are from. His mother... <laughs> yeah, that is <laughs> like the, the least imaginative name. The city of Townsville. <laughs> yeah. I just, that's all I could hear when I read that. Um, his mother married a theater director when he was still a young child, and the family spent years traveling across the country for theater productions. His mother was an ardent nonconformist. Uh, she kept him and his siblings out of public schools, opting instead to homeschool them. At the age of 16, Julian began hacking as a teenager under the name Mendax. This was before the internet as we know it, but uh, Julian hacked his way into secure networks, including those of the U.S. Department of Defense and the Los Alamos National Laboratory. So he got started at an early age, pre-World Wide Web. Oh, that's like that uh, movie um, War Games or something, right? With Adam yeah, Coleman. And yep, <laughs> it's very similar to that. And then also all of the hacker movies of the 90s where they didn't use a mouse and they just typed on the keyboard <laughs> <laughs> with strange animations. Uh, in 1991, Julian would face his first major legal consequences for hacking after breaking into the computer network of the Canadian telecom system Nortel. He was charged with 31 counts of criminal hacking. Nortel officials claimed that Assange's hacking had caused over $100,000 in damages. Assange faced up to 10 years in prison. However, the judge let him off with just a small fine. Uh, then uh, we'll skip ahead to WikiLeaks. Uh, Assange and some other activists founded WikiLeaks in 2006. 
they began releasing secret documents, including the standard operating procedures for Camp Delta, which was a manual for staff at the U.S. base in Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. So um, they started calling, you know, he's been a troublemaker all of his life, um, you know, fighting the man, so to speak. Now, um, WikiLeaks, uh, so in 2010, uh, U.S. Army Intelligence Officer Chelsea Manning leaked information to Assange on the Iraq War. This included a video that would come to be known as collateral murder. It showed footage taken from the cockpit of an American Apache helicopter of U.S. soldiers gunning down 18 civilians in the street, including a Reuters reporter named Namir Noor Eldin and his assistant Saeed Shaman. The leaking of this video would make WikiLeaks a household name. Do you remember that, Brendan, when that video came out? And... Yeah, yeah, that was um, pretty pretty sad. And uh, it wasn't so much that, that stuff like that happens. It was just kind of the way it was handled and the discussion around it uh, seemed to be passively encouraged. I mean, it's things like uh, bad things happen in war, but you don't really laugh about it. Or I don't mean, I can't say they were laughing about it, but it, it just, oh, were, yeah. it, it just seems like um, they were too accepting of bad things happen in war. Right. And after the, you know, so those two reporters from Reuters were killed prior to the WikiLeaks video, uh, before WikiLeaks released the video, Reuters was petitioning the U.S. government to get that video and to find out what exactly happened to their people. Uh, the United States refused to release the video, and they said, well, we conducted our own investigation and found that there was no wrongdoing, <laughs> but we can't tell you what happened. We investigated ourselves, <laughs> and we're good, so don't even worry about it. And it's, um, it's a complicated situation with a democracy, too, because, like, being a democracy, the you know, the voters, we, we kind of, like, want to know what's going on and whether or not what is happening is worth fighting the war. And the military's perspective is, well, our goal is to win the war. And that is our goal. That is what we do. And that is how we protect the democracy is we win the war. And if we've, you know, they may have been quite honest in their belief that nothing illegal was done, and therefore there was no need for anyone to know about it, especially considering that it could dis, uh, like reduce morale, which is a war Might concern. undermine the... Right, the undermine the war effort. So yeah, I see where everyone's coming from. Right. There, there is, you know, they did have a, a case. However, when the video comes out, uh, it does not look good for them uh, yeah. because the rest of the world said, OK, this is what you consider. OK, you watch you watch this video and, and, and talk to the people involved. And you said this is fine. You know, a lot of people were not happy with that. Of course, um, 
this wasn't the only uh, video. This was like the biggest thing probably that WikiLeaks did. It was definitely the biggest thing they had done up to this date. Uh, because before this, um, I don't think there had been too much military stuff. A lot of it had to do, their leaks prior to this had to do with uh, government officials, uh, bankers, um, things like that. And then, you know, there was some military stuff like the Guantanamo Bay manual. But this was like, this was the big thing that right. put them on the map. Yeah, uh, the prior journalist. To, yeah. And video of, you know, people being shot down in the street. Uh, and, you know, you hear the pilots. They're pretty uh, giggly. You know, they're pretty... Uh, what's the word giddy yeah giddy that's what the word that's the word i was they were giddy they were excited to gun these people down so again you know it's war you can't expect everybody to be like you know cold-hearted robocop when they're <laughs> fighting you know people are people but still it was not a good look so uh later on in november 2010 WikiLeaks also began releasing over 250,000 diplomatic cables from American diplomats. These documents included diplomatic assessments of their host countries, as well as international affairs going as far back as 1966. Many of these documents were labeled as classified or top secret. So that was kind of a double whammy of WikiLeaks going against the U.S. government. Uh, this one was called cable gate because thanks to watergate now every scandal has the word right. gate on it um nixon yeah. yeah so you know the uh collateral murder video and cable gate uh you know really put wikileaks and julian assange on the radar for the you know for the u.s government uh, and they started to see some backlash. Uh, following the 2010 leaks, Amazon kicked the WikiLeaks website off of its web servers. PayPal cut them off uh, with MasterCard and Visa soon following suit. That same year, U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder announced an investigation into Assange and WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks to determine if their actions were a violation of the Espionage Act of 1917. Um, Chelsea Manning, who was the Army Intelligence Officer who leaked the footage to Assange, uh, was arrested, dishonorably discharged from the Army, and sentenced to 35 years in, pre in prison. In 2017, President Barack Obama commuted Manning's sentence and released her. She is now dating Elon Musk's... Um, Grimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, baby mama. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a weird tri love triangle or something. I don't know. I'm assuming they're very modern. They're very <laughs> modern people. <laughs> I don't the know. Small world. Yeah. In certain circles, everyone knows each other. Yeah, I guess. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm not in those circles. Um, all right. And then also in 2010, two women accused Assange of sexual assault in Sweden. One woman claimed Assange coerced her into sex 
then tampered with his condom without her knowledge, resulting in unprotected sex. And this is after she had insisted on using a condom. Then another woman accused him of having sex with her while she was asleep, again without a condom. Uh, Assange denied the charges, and in 2012, he took refuge in Ecuador's London embassy to avoid prosecution. He had been ordered to uh, appear in court in London, you know, to face these charges, uh, and instead he went to the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Ecuador granted Assange asylum on the grounds that the government was troubled by the U.S.'s investigation into him. Assange remained inside the Ecuadorian embassy for seven years, living in a small office that he converted into a studio apartment. And Swedish authorities dropped the charges in 2017, stating that while they believed Assange's accusers were credible, too much time had passed for them to be able to prosecute him. Now, leading up to the 2016 presidential election, WikiLeaks published emails from Hillary Clinton during her time as Secretary of State, triggering an FBI investigation. Assange wrote, quote, I have had years of experience in dealing with Hillary Clinton and have read thousands of her cables. Hillary lacks judgment and will push the United States into endless stupid wars which will spread terrorism. She certainly should not become President of the United States. WikiLeaks also published emails from the Democratic National Committee that showed the party was working on ways to undermine uh, Bernie Sanders' primary campaign for president. And then rumors began spreading that DNC staffer Seth Rich was WikiLeaks' source for the, D for the DNC emails. After Rich was shot and killed in public, conspiracies began circulating that he had been murdered on Clinton's orders in retaliation. So all of this was a huge to-do, you know, that played, led up to the, you know, the 2016 presidential election and very likely helped uh, Donald Trump win in 2016. So, he, you know, Assange's well, been... Even, even if it didn't help him win, like, I mean, it's impossible to know that. It was still... I mean, you have this person who's not a citizen of the United States um, acting in a way to influence the election, and he has significant power to do so. I mean, it's not just like somebody talking about the U.S. I mean, it's, you know, and uh, so, you know, uh, I could see why that would get some, and especially if you're getting uh, that information in an illegal manner. That's another, you know, I mean, that's the big thing. It's not so much that he's a foreigner trying to influence uh, the U.S. political process, but that shady methods and illegal methods may be about. But were they? Right. It's interesting to note, too, that uh, while the re Republicans have denied it, there's evidence that the rnc's emails were also hacked but that none of those emails were ever released which plays into these you know these ideas that the republican party has been compromised uh, especially you know by the russian government and that that's played a part in united states dealings with russia 
again, there's not much evidence that that, or I don't know that there's any, but you know, you have groups claiming that that did happen. Um, so well, yeah, the thought is uh, a lot of this came from the Russians or yeah, the Guccifer or hackers that were associated with them. Yeah, was it Guccifer 2.0? Yeah. yeah, something like that. Well, I mean, that that's kind of the thing where this guy, if, um, he either is, Assange is either a willing Russian asset or a useful idiot um, or just one of these people that is so blinded by their frustration with the United States being kind of the, the big kid on the block, which, you know, I mean, that, that can be a problem. The United States is not blameless. But why would you team up with Russia necessarily like, uh, you know, that's not necessarily the best idea. It's like, oh, well, you know, I don't really like Stalin, so I'm going to be Hitler's best friend. And it's like, mm, if you had to, maybe, or I don't like Hitler, so I want to be Stalin's best friend. Like, if that was your only option, but at the same time, the U.S. isn't that awful. Like, arguably, what Russia has done and is doing is worse. So, I, I, don't, I don't really know why he would want to work with them or accept information from them. But also he, like, like you just mentioned, the Republican National Committee, like, okay, their emails may have been hacked too. Um, even if they weren't, WikiLeaks would obviously, should have information on lots of different groups. And if they're truly journalistic, if it truly is about, hey, you know, the, the voters should know that Bernie was getting shafted. Well, they would also leak stuff about um, United Russia, that political party and its shenanigans. But WikiLeaks never like releases anything substantial on Russia or Syria uh, and, and their wrongdoings. So that's that's what makes it very questionable. Like you're you're not just after the truth. You're after taking one group down without really considering um, wh even what their actions are about. Right. And I, I remember in 2016 when WikiLeaks published those uh, Democratic emails, you know, it, that along with Hillary Clinton's emails when she was with the State Department, I was like, okay, so they're obviously colluding with the Republican Party now to prevent her from becoming president. And it very much, you know, especially given uh, his, Julian Assange's statements, it, it sounded a lot like he had a grudge against Hillary Clinton, which may have come from, you know, like when she was working under Obama and, you know, the... Yeah, that when that happened, my attitude toward Julian Assange changed because he wasn't, yeah, it didn't seem like he was trying to be like a fair and balanced journalist. It sounded like he was using his resources to attack one party in favor of another. Um, well, well, also, like, if you look at his history and his behavior, especially, like, how he starts to act in um, the embassy, 
Yeah, we're um, going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. But yeah. I'll give a slight preview. Like, oh, and also yeah. his like troubled youth. I mean, I suspect he would have um, oppositional defiant disorder. Like the behaviors go along with that. Um, yeah, that certainly even, seems to be the case that he was raised with that mindset. Yeah, and uh, then at some point, attachment and you yeah, know. and at yeah. some point he focused all of it on the United States. Uh, in 2017, WikiLeaks published a trove of secret CIA documents exposing the agency's abilities to conduct surveillance on nearly anyone by accessing smart devices, including iPhones and Androids, smart TVs, voice assistants, and computers, um, anything. They were able to hack into every operating system, every type of phone, your, all the smart devices that you have in your house. And it's interesting too, because it also, the vault seven leaks also also showed that the CIA was developing some of this malware, but they were also purchasing malware from, you know, like just random hackers on the internet. Uh -huh. uh, this would <laughs> prove to be a, a major point of contention with the then CIA director, Mike Pompeo, you know, so during this time, like we mentioned, Julian Assange has been living in the London embassy of Ecuador, Ecuador's London embassy. Um, and he proved to be an ingracious guest. Uh, this is from a BBC article, quote, Foreign Minister Jose Valencia told Congress that Assange had been using a mobile phone not registered with the embassy, repeatedly insulted the mission's workers, reportedly calling them U.S. spies, and damaged the facilities by riding his skateboard and playing football despite being told not to do so. Uh, cleaning staff, this is still from the same article, cleaning staff, Mr. Valencia said, had described improper hygienic conduct throughout Assange's stay, an issue that a lawyer had attributed to, quote, stomach problems. One unnamed senior Ecuadorian official told AP News Agency that other issues included weeks without a shower and a dental problem born of poor hygiene. Um, there's also, the, uh, just breaking away here, there's also reports of cleaning staff said he was smearing feces on the walls and doing other really disgusting things. Uh, here's a, more from the BBC article, quote, Vaughn Smith, a friend who visited Assange last week, told Reuters that he rejected this claim, saying, quote, Julian has been under stress, but seemed in a balanced frame of mind every time I have seen him. It doesn't seem in character. Assange's stay at the embassy cost Ecuador some $6.5 million from 2012 to 2018, Mr. Valencia said. So uh, Ecuador expelled Assange from their embassy on April 11, 2019. He was immediately arrested by British police for his failure to appear at his 2012 court hearing. Since then, Assange has been incarcerated at Belmarsh Prison in South London, where he has been fighting against extradition extradition to the United States to face charges of espionage. So, yeah, it, his stay at the Ecuadorian embassy, I, I mean, you have to wonder, because he was living in 
you know, he couldn't go outside that whole time because for many years uh, there were British police stationed outside of the embassy just in case he happened to come out and they could arrest him. So he was stuck inside this place. He had turned an office into a small uh, like bedroom with a small bed and a treadmill and a desk and a lamp and his cat. Aww. Also, he apparently he had a cat uh, that he apparently didn't clean up after. That was another issue. Um, and it sounds like he made it hard for Ecuador to keep him there. Yeah, I'm surprised they, they put up with it that long. And it was quite a sting because they end up um, stripping him of his citizenship. And, you know, like it was not necessarily a popular move because uh, I think it was I think it was Rafael Correa that gave him the citizenship. And then the state, well, well he did that for political reasons. And then uh, a right leaning president gets elected and he strips um, Assange of his citizenship and it's like ah he did that for left reading leaning reasons or right or he did it, that for right but he's he's a puppet of the u.s that's why we, we got rid of that it's like ah but that is probably the the real reason but also just he yeah, made it easy for them if they wanted to get rid of him <laughs> he gave them it's kind of like if you know that your boss is looking to fire you you don't like take you don't take like two hour lunch breaks you don't show up to work 15 minutes late because you know your boss is looking for a reason and you don't just you don't keep you don't bring your cat to work and let it poop anywhere and not clean it off that's right <laughs> yeah so but again you know i can't i can't help but imagine that he was under a lot of mental stress not being able to leave knowing that the government you know the united states government is plotting to you know, get him and take him back to the United States to face charges of espionage. Um, yeah, well, he's mentally ill. I mean, just through and through, he's mentally ill from the very beginning. Uh, it doesn't mean he's not a genius, but he, he's got some mental health issues that are pretty serious. Yeah, I read, you know, like in reading about him, uh, one of the articles that I pulled from, there's a 2010 article from The New Yorker that is really great it goes uh in depth and this is from the time when he is releasing this information you know like the uh, collateral murder and the diplomatic cables and you know they had they had set up a you know a big organization of mostly volunteers um and they talked about how he he would become very preoccupied with his work and he had to have people around him to sort of take care of him and to make him do stuff like shower and pack his clothes and things like that, um, that he would become very focused on his work and just neglect everything else. Well, uh, he like also sounds like, yeah, he also sounds like he was pretty socially um, unaware, socially awkward. Right. Um, you know, it's hard to gauge a person's uh, mental acuity from a distance, you know, but all of the signs, everything that people have said about him, uh, sounds like he's maybe not the easiest person to be friends with or work with. <laughs> right. 
Now here's some, uh, you know, I mentioned the CIA Vault 7 leaks. So um, according to a report from Yahoo News in 2017, Trump appointed CIA Director Mike Pompeo proposed plans to kidnap Assange from Ecuador's London embassy. Incensed by the Vault 7 leaks, Pompeo called WikiLeaks, quote, a non-state hostile intelligence service. The kidnapping plans were spurred on by intelligence reports that Russia had plans to sneak Assange out of the embassy and grant him asylum uh, back in Russia. Oh, hang out with Edward Snowden. Yeah. But Edward, Edward the, uh, probably doesn't want to be roommates, you know. Yeah. At all of the things I've seen of Edward Snowden, he sounds like, you know, like a decent person. It's hard to say. but If he had a cat, he would clean up after it. I think so. From the Yahoo News article, quote, The intrigue over a potential Assange escape set off a wild scramble among rival spy services in London. American, British, and Russian agencies, among others, stationed undercover operatives around the Ecuadorian embassy. In the Russians' case, it was to facilitate a breakout. For the U.S. and Allied services, it was to block such an escape. It was beyond comical, said the former senior official. It got to the point where every human being in a three-block radius was working for one of the intelligence services, whether they were street sweepers or police officers or security guards. <laughs> so it's like a, it's all, it almost seems like a Leslie Nielsen, like naked gun kind of everybody is a spy and, you know. Right. And from all, like, obviously they didn't go through with this, but they, there were all sorts of plans floated, uh, you know, that would, a lot of them would in, have involved, you know, like shootouts on the streets of London, you know, like gun battles. Uh, that, that'll get noticed quickly. Might get away yeah. with that in some cities in the U.S., but. Well, that's what they were like. This isn't. um you know, they're like, this isn't Iraq. This isn't Afghanistan. It's yeah. London. And you, it's not normal. And so, you know, I guess the implication is that in those other places, uh, you know, a gun battle could be attributed to the conflict. And, you know, some sort of conflict uh, to cover for the fact that they were kidnapping someone. But, yeah, you can't get away with that in London where even the police officers don't have guns. So... Any attempts to kidnap Assange would face a host of major problems, not least of which being the risk of angering the British government. Here's more from that Yahoo News article. Quote, There was a discussion with the Brits about turning the other cheek or looking the other way when a team of guys went inside and did a rendition, said a former senior, encounter, senior counterintelligence officials. But the British said, no way, you're not doing that on our territory. <laughs> yeah. That ain't happening. And the plans were eventually scrapped in favor of pursuing a more legal approach. So that brings us up to president or present day. After a lengthy legal fight, British courts finally ruled that Assange would be extradited to the U.S. to stand trial for violating the 1917 Espionage Act. The British Home Office released a statement saying, quote, 
The UK courts have not found that it would be oppressive, unjust, or an abusive process to extradite Mr. Assange, nor have they found that extradition would be in incompatible with his human rights, including his right to a fair trial and to freedom of expression, and that whilst in the U.S. he will be treated appropriately, including in relation to his health. Critics are saying that the U.S. pursuit of Assange represents a grave threat to freedom of the press, and this will have a chilling effect on journalists in the future. As of today, Assange has less than two weeks to appeal the British court's decision to extradite him to America. So, my thought is, I mean, and I, you know, like we've been critical of Assange here, um, but this does not seem right to me. That's my stance, my opinion on this. I mean, uh, I, I think he needs mental health care. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, and he, you know, he doesn't sound like a great person. Uh, I don't think I'd want to hang out with him. Um, well, this 19, the, the 1917 Espionage Act, too, is, is rather problematic. I mean, like, the way it's originally written, like, if you do anything that could be interpreted as reducing uh, military recruitment or harming, the, you know, the base of the military, then, oh, you can go to jail. You know, kind of like what, right. what's happening in Russia right now, where it's like, oh, well, you know, if you talk bad about the if you criticize the army in any way, then oh, that's a crime, and that's kind of how it was originally written. Um, right. It sounds like uh, it, it sounds like not that different than charging him with sedition. You know, and I don't know that he can commit sedition since he's not a citizen. But I know, did. but I mean, as far as like the spirit of it, you know. Yeah. I guess, you know, there's they've made the argument or I've heard people make the argument that he was directly involved with and gave guidance to Chelsea Manning on how to access this information. And so so I was taught in journalism school when it comes to uh, dealing with secrets, classified information, uh, government documents. U.S. law with the freedom of the press, freedom of uh, uh, speech. If someone gives you secret documents, you are free to publish them. If you wake up one day and there's a big stack of classified documents with the big top secret stamp on the, you know, on the cover, you're free to publish that. However, if you play a part in accessing those, if you were to say hack the U.S. government's computers to get access to this information, then you are uh, subject to criminal charges. And that's part of the argument has been that he gave Chelsea Manning specific guidance on how to access this, what to look for, and how to get it without being caught. And so well, that's... Maybe the trial is important to find out, okay, how did this go down? So we can increase uh, our own intelligence efforts. Uh, work better with uh, counterintelligence. Right. 
of course the other side of that is this is you know very easily could be just a way to punish assange for exposing secrets that made the government look bad and to send a message to other journalists you know that you could face prosecution for publishing you know information that we don't like yeah. so uh we'll see um it kind of seems like he has run out of time he's been dodging consequences for this for with what years? he's been through it may be better to go to the trial and face you know imprisonment in the u.s i mean yeah I don't know. I guess prison in England might be better than prison in the U.S. But well, he's been in Belmarsh Prison in London, which is, from what I can tell, it's a kind, it's a high security prison, and it's generally where they keep high profile uh, prisoners. So and, it doesn't um, sound like a pleasant place. Um, and he's and there apparently for, his. Sorry, go ahead. And he's there for skipping a court hearing. Like, why has he not been released? It's. About, I guess he's being held. While the extra, oh yeah, yeah, I think he's being held while the extradition trial is going on because right. he can't be trusted to like come back and say you know he can't he can't get um, bail because he he can't be trusted. He's a flight risk. Yeah, that's it. That's the word. Yeah, yeah, he's a, a very strong flight risk considering you have Russian uh, uh, security officers, you know, intelligence people waiting outside to spirit him away to russia most recently uh this is from uh earlier today from the Gu uh this well this particular article is from the guardian australia won't conduct quote megaphone diplomacy on julian assange amid calls to intervene but yeah that's uh that is a you know just a quick little explainer on julian assange um because he's been in the news lately obviously very related to the CIA, given uh, all the information he's leaked from the CIA, and um, and yeah, like the CIA plot to kidnap him kind of flew under the radar. Um, it got a brief mention, and then people moved on. But that seems like a it should have been a bigger deal. It could be a know. very anticlimactic movie. It's a, it's a movie that should be made and be very just anticlimactic. And then we all just decide not to. Right. If Quentin Tarantino made it, though, he would go ahead and put in the the CIA uh, kidnapping plot. Because, you know, you know how he likes to, his most recent movies, he's been changing the historical narrative. <laughs> um, like in Inglorious Bastards, he ends it with Hitler and a bunch of Nazis being murdered. Um, and once upon a time in the West, he changes that. I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it. Um, no, nah, I mean, I've not seen it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, he, yeah, I, yeah, the uh, I'd like to see the Quentin Tarantino take on Julian Assange, I think it'd be entertaining. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Um, that's a wrap for this episode of CIA Files. Be sure and check us out on the socials, Twitter at CIA Files Podcast, 
Instagram at CIA Files, Facebook.com slash CIA Files. And of course, you can go to the website. We'll have uh, the story and links related to it and whatnot. Uh, the website is CIAFiles.net. And just uh, another reminder, we're going to keep uh, putting this out there. Um, stay tuned for our new show, Rise of Mammon, where we look at the rise of the evangelical right in the United States and lay out the case that they don't worship God and Jesus, at least as far as the Bible depicts those, and instead are in a, just a blind pursuit of money and power. And that's, uh, and it's getting scary. Anyway, Rise of Mammon, uh, look for that in September. And yeah, in the meantime, uh, keep your bellies full and have a good day. Not good. Bye.